Hello, everybody. This is Matt Boyle, and I am sitting in my house in our office looking out the front window. It's a gorgeous sunny day. It's mid-50s. The window is open, and I thought this would be a great day to start a podcast. So I am going to start a podcast, and what I want to call this podcast is What's True for Everybody? That's the title of this, What's True for Everybody? And my hope in this podcast, what I want to do is basically talk about Jesus and the Bible in a way that is true for, you guessed it, everybody. Which means if you have no interest in Jesus or the Bible, hang with me, please, because I think there's something here for you. And this first episode, what I want to talk about is why. Why am I starting a podcast where I'll be talking about Jesus and the Bible in a way that is true for everybody? Because the why matters. A couple years ago, I read a book by a guy named Simon Sinek. Many of you have probably heard of him. He wrote this book called Start With Why. And he basically talks about why the why matters. And when you read this book, you'll start thinking about why you're actually doing things. And he says things like, People don't follow what you do. They follow why you do it. And it's been super helpful for me. So I want to start by talking about why I'm doing this. And by the way, one of the ways I continue to realize that the why matters is in parenting. For instance, if I ask my seven-year-old daughter or my five-year-old son to do something or to not do something, the first word out of their mouth is usually the same word, and it's this. Why? And what I keep learning as a parent is the best answer to that question usually isn't because I said so. That answer, because I said so, uh, usually isn't good enough for them. And it shouldn't be. Now, sometimes it's the best answer. Uh, Why, Dad? Well, because I'm your parent and I need you to do this right now. But the vast majority of the time. There is a better, deeper answer. If I ask my daughter, Nylea, can you please take your dinner plate to the sink? Why? And if I answer here with, because I said so, that's a surfacy and lame answer. And what will it will eventually teach my daughters to be afraid of me? Because I said so, so do it or else. A better answer is, well, because in this family, we believe that if we all chip in and if we all help, then we're all better off. And in this family, we want to be the best we can possibly be. See the difference? Huge difference there. If I ask my son, Parker, can you not jump off that chair again? Why? Because I said so. Nope. But that's a lazy answer. How about this? Uh, Because the last time you jumped off that chair, you hit your head on the counter that's right above you and you cried hysterically and I don't want you to get hurt again. Besides, jumping off our furniture isn't something we do in this family because it doesn't respect our things. See the difference? Now, you have to prepare yourself because, of course, kids are great at asking 1,000 follow-up whys that they'll test you. So, So when you think about the Bible... Here we go. When you think about the Bible, whether you grew up hearing about the Bible or not, whether you currently put yourself in environments where the Bible is talked about or not, 
How many times have we all heard someone say we should or shouldn't do something? Whether that person is a parent or a politician or a friend or a pastor, and their reason is because the Bible says so. And I know lots of people from all different backgrounds and perspectives who think, okay, that answer doesn't really work for me anymore, if it ever did. And to be honest, it shouldn't work for you because that's usually a surfacey, lazy answer. Now, on occasion, it might be good enough, but the vast majority of the time, I don't think it is. There has to be a better, deeper answer that is based on love instead of fear. Here's why. Because there is a reason why the Bible says so. And in my experience, when you get to the deeper reasons of why the Bible communicates what it communicates, it makes it true for everybody in the most beautiful way possible. And those are the things I want to get at and I want to talk about in this podcast. So in this first episode, I want to explain why I'm doing this. And I'll give you three reasons why I'm starting this. Uh, The first has to do with me. The second has to do with the world we're living in. And the third reason has to do with you. And then I want to talk briefly about a story from one of the earliest chapters of the Bible, and we'll see if it starts to impact you like it's been impacting me lately. Uh, And then we'll end by talking about Kevin Bacon. So here we go. Uh, Three reasons why I'm starting this podcast. First, number one, because I have to. (laughs) This reason has to do with me. I've been teaching the Bible and giving sermons in one form or another for the last 13 years. I used to work for an organization called Youth for Christ in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I basically ran a middle school youth group for one particular middle school in Grand Rapids. And so on Thursday nights, the students from the school would gather and we we played games, we'd eat food, we'd have small group times. It was essentially a youth group. And for about five minutes on these Thursday nights, I'd have the opportunity to stand up in front of the students and talk about Jesus and talk about the Bible. And those five minutes were by far the best five minutes of my work week. I absolutely loved it. Fast forward, long story short, I became a pastor and I started giving sermons in churches on a weekly basis. And studying the Bible, crafting a sermon and giving it has become one of my favorite things in life. And when you think about what it is you do where time flies and you're not even realizing it because you're having so much fun, you're so into it, that's what happens when I study and I work on a sermon. Weird, bizarre, I know, I can't explain why that is, but it's true. And I can't imagine not doing it. So so why am I starting this podcast? I have to, for me. Because for the first time in 13 years, I'm not working in a place where giving sermons is part of my job, and I don't want to lose that. Because I feel like it's part of who I am. You know, I can't fix cars. I have zero musical talent. I don't know the first thing about engineering. I can't be an elementary school teacher because five minutes at a kid's birthday party and I'm going crazy. This is what I know how to do, and this is what I love. And I have no idea how long I'll do this podcast. Who knows? Maybe it'll last three weeks. Maybe it'll last three years. I don't know. Uh, But for now, I'm going to try it. 
And if anyone actually listens to this and it's actually helpful for someone, well, that's just a bonus. That's a bonus. I have to. Second reason, number two, uh, I'm starting this podcast because more people need to talk about the fact that we are more alike than we are different. I believe more people need to talk about the fact that we are more alike than we are different. So this reason has to do with the world we're living in. You don't have to be out in the world long to notice the disunity among us. Religion, race, income, politics. We'll use just about anything to try and separate ourselves from people who are different or from people we don't like or from people we don't agree with. And sometimes we'll even do this in the name of God, which actually makes me want to throw up. Now, sometimes we do need to separate ourselves from some things or from some people or from a person because they're dangerous or they're toxic or they're abusive. And separating ourselves from that thing or from that person actually helps us be more whole and healthy. But I would say that looking for reasons to actively separate ourselves from others, who, by the way, were also created in the image of God, actually goes against the message of Jesus. And it's usually, by the way, wrapped up in shame. Uh, Has anyone ever made you feel ashamed because you were different than them? And it was like, it's like it wasn't good enough for them that they could separate themselves from you because of who you were or what you did or what you believed. But they also had to make you feel bad for it. That goes against the message of Jesus. There's a psychologist named Deborah Leong, and Deborah has spent her career studying how children learn. And one of her observations has been that babies and toddlers don't at all mind making mistakes and learning from them. She observes that young, very young children don't seem tortured by trying to do things that they can't do yet. But then, she says, something changes. Around the time Children enter kindergarten, she says. They begin to notice their mistakes bring certain reactions from grown-ups. We frown, we shake our heads, we rush over to point out that they've just done something wrong. And Deborah Leong says, the lesson we're teaching them is shame and embarrassment and fear. And then Deborah Leong says this. She says, shame doesn't help fix anything. Shame doesn't help fix anything. Whatever our differences are, whatever we disagree on, wherever we see things differently, uh, which is going to happen in this life because we're human beings, let's remember that we are more alike than we are different and shame has no place in our relationships. Now, there are lots of great people and churches and organizations and businesses who are spreading the message that we are more alike than we are different and it's great. People and families who who feed the homeless on a regular basis, churches who welcome anyone who comes through their doors, businesses who give some of their profits to support others who just lost everything in one way or another. Uh, Oh, by the way, there's a brewery in the town where I live, in Fort Collins, Colorado, called New Belgium Brewery. And if you've ever had a beer called Fat Tire, that's them. And when you go to the brewery and you order a beer, uh, they actually won't let you tip them. Instead, they ask that if you want a tip, you put the money in a can that's on the bar. 
and all the money that goes into the can is given to whatever cause or whatever charity that New Belgium Brewery is supporting that week or that month. How awesome is that? And all of these uh, are examples of people, of organizations saying they believe that we are more alike than we are different. And it's shown through things like love and generosity and acceptance. Why am I doing this? Because I believe more people need to talk about the fact that we are more alike than we are different. Reason number three, I'm doing this because I believe the message of Jesus is true and good for everybody. And this reason has to do with you. Or maybe a better way to say it is this reason has to do with us. I believe the message of Jesus is true and good for everybody. And no matter what your experience with Jesus has been or hasn't been, no matter what you learned growing up, no matter what you've been told by the person at work who is adamant about what you need to change in order for God to love you, I believe Jesus came to this earth for the benefit of everybody. I believe God created you. I believe God loves you. And I believe God is for you and wants you to thrive. And I believe when you get down to the ground level of what the good news of Jesus is all about, love, peace, and joy, kindness, generosity, and being a good neighbor, sacrifice, truth, and faithfulness, living for the benefit of others, making people feel accepted, and helping those around you to have enough. I believe those are the things that are true and good for everybody, no matter who you are, and I want to spend time talking about those things. So that's why I'm starting this podcast. And now I want to talk about briefly a story from one of the oldest chapters in the Bible. And it's been strangely helpful for me right now. And we'll see if it does something to you too. And this story comes from Genesis chapter 12. It's often called the call of Abram. And I'm going to read Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 through the first part of verse 4. And the text says this. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Here's verse 4. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. So the story starts with God saying to this dude, Abram, go from your country, from your people, and from your father's household to the land I will show you. In other words, God has just said to Abram, leave everything you know and go to a place you don't know. And the Hebrew word here that gets translated, go, when God says, go from your country. Uh, the word literally means to leave by yourself. John Calvin was a pastor and a theologian in the 1500s, and he paraphrased this phrase from God to Abram like this. He said it like this. God says to Abram, I command you to go forth with closed eyes. I command you to go forth with closed eyes. Then verse 4 says, so Abram went. 
as the Lord had told him. Now, let me give you a really simple insight here. Abram doesn't know where he's going. God never told him where to leave to. Abram just knows where he's leaving. He has no clue where he's going. In the New Testament, the author of the book of Hebrews says this in chapter 11, uh, verse 8, I think. He says, by faith, Abraham, by the way, that's a new name for this guy. We'll get to that in a bit. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Now imagine Abram's response when God tells him to go. Uh, okay, God, but can you tell me where I'm going? Oh yeah, sure. You're going to the land I will show you. Oh, gee, thanks. Thanks for the specifics, Lord. Appreciate it. But Abram goes. Question. Have you ever felt like you didn't know where you were going? You may have known exactly what you were leaving, but you had no clue what was next. School ended, or the relationship was over, or you had a baby and you are now in charge of keeping another human being alive, or you knew you couldn't live like you were living anymore because it was killing you. There was a point where, where God was somehow asking you to leave one place and go to another, whether it was physical, emotional, relational, whatever. But the destination was as uncertain as it could get. All you knew was you had to go forth with closed eyes. So you went. Yeah, and there's a promise attached here, by the way. God has a promise to Abram in chapter 12. And the promise is that God will bless Abram. I'll read it again. This this is verses 2 and 3. God says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Interestingly here, the word bless, it occurs from Genesis 1 to Genesis 11, the first 11 chapters of the Bible, the word bless occurs five times. In these three verses, <laughs> the beginning of chapter 12, uh, actually two verses, verse, verses 2 and 3, the word bless occurs five times. Five times in the first 11 chapters of the Bible, and then five times in these two verses at the beginning of chapter 12. Uh, and we'll get to why that matters in a second. But one scholar says that for God to bless someone someone, is for God to enhance and increase their life. For God to bless you is for God to enhance and increase your life in whatever form that takes. And who doesn't want their life to be enhanced and increased? And to be clear, we're not talking here about some superficial enhancing or increasing Uh, Like, God promises you new shoes or a new outfit. Although, sometimes God's blessings have a material aspect to them when God meets a need that we have. But for God to bless you is for God to treat you in such a way that at the deepest level makes your soul more whole. It makes your soul more whole. And I believe that God wants to and is 
blessing all of us in one way or another. And here's the interesting thing about how many times the word bless occurs here in these two verses, verse the first 11 chapters of the Bible. In chapters 1 and 2 of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, you have the creation story. Then since Genesis 2, starting in Genesis 3, there has been this focus on the downward spiral of human beings' relationships with God. It's not going well. And now in chapter 12, it opens with an invitation from God to his people to stop the destructive cycle of rebellion and wickedness and deceit and to make things better. But it will take a certain kind of leaving and God will bless them for it. How many of you need a new start? You need a do-over in one way or another. You need a chance to change or to do things differently. God offers that. He offers that, and he'll even bless it. Now, two elements of the story that I want to point out. First, there's a response element. God tells Abram to go, but Abram actually has to go. He has to do something. He has a part to play in all of this. He's not just an observer. Uh, if we hear some sort of calling or some sort of word or, or whatever you want to call it from God, the last thing we want to do is sit still and not do anything about it. That's how it works. We have to go, even if we don't know where we're going. And by the way, one of the reasons, and maybe the main reason, God blesses Abram is so Abram will then be a blessing to others. That's part of the deal. To keep the blessing all to ourselves, or worse, to use our blessing to oppose someone else, that goes against and it somehow violates the blessing from God. And this line, God says to Abram, some people interpret this call from God to Abram, Abram as God saying, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. That's a good reading of that line. So that you will be a blessing. You can't keep this all to yourself. There's a response element. Uh, second, there's a trust element. Abram has to believe that God can be trusted. Otherwise, why in the world would he go? If you don't trust You'll just stay with what's familiar and what's seemingly secure, even though it may not be secure at all. Do you believe God can be trusted? Do you believe God can be trusted? And this is, this is hard for some of us because we generally don't trust anyone. That's what we've learned in life. And it's hard for others of us because we've seen God misrepresented so badly by so many people uh, or we've seen God's name be used for something like dishonest gain. And so we think, I have no desire to trust in a God who is represented by that person <laughs> or by that group of people. Which, I've had that thought too. That's a totally legit thought. And my prayer for you is I hope you find a better representative of God soon because I promise God is better than that. But still, the question we are faced with is, do I believe the good and gracious God of the universe can be trusted? And maybe that's your takeaway from this whole thing, if you've made it this far. You just need to wrestle with the idea of trusting the God who you may have never really trusted before.
there's a response element to the story. There's also a trust element to the story. And then you fast forward five chapters to Genesis chapter 17. And God changes Abram's name to Abraham when Abram is 99 years old. By the way, the name Abraham means father of many. Which means God did what he promised Abram back in chapter 12. When he said, I will make you into a great nation. And maybe if you're Abram, you're thinking, okay, that took a while. I'm 99 years old now. Uh, But God kept the promise. But Abram had to respond. He had to go. And Abram had to trust. He had to believe there was someone else in control when he knew he wasn't. (laughs) And how often do we realize that we're not really in control of things? And it may take a bit longer than we'd like. But when we respond and when we trust, God will find ways to make our soul more whole. He will find ways to bless us. And I don't know about you, but but that story has been really helpful for me recently. And so I wanted to share that here. And let's end with a, a story about Kevin Bacon. So over the summer, Corey, my wife, and I celebrated 11 years of marriage. And we celebrated by spending a night up in Estes Park, Colorado, which is about an hour from where we live in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. And the Bacon brothers were playing a concert, as in Kevin Bacon and his brother Michael. And you may remember Kevin Bacon from the movie Footloose. I, on the other hand, remember Kevin Bacon from the movie Tremors. (laughs) Anyone out there Tremors fans? And this concert was at the Stanley Hotel. This is the hotel where The Shining was filmed. And it's also the hotel where some of Dumb and Dumber was filmed. Uh, So, of course, we got there early and we had to have dinner at the bar where Jim Carrey, otherwise known as Lloyd Christmas, was waiting for Mary Swanson. Samson, I I was way off. Mary Swanson. And uh, I had – so we had dinner at the bar and I had to reenact – Uh, Jim Carrey with his head down on the bar and waiting. And and then I had to reenact the scene in the lobby where Lloyd Christmas races Mary Swanson up the hotel stairs and trips her so he can win. Everyone was staring at me like I was a fool, but I had a blast and I made my wife, Corey, uh, take a video on my phone when I was doing it. Anyway, uh, to stay at the Stanley hotel for a night over the summer is over like over $400. Uh, which means we stayed at a hotel two minutes away for less than half that. But it also means I could splurge for VIP tickets for the Bacon Brothers. It was something like $50 for general admission, $75 for a VIP ticket. You get a poster. And Corey and I ended up in the front row. Uh, And by the way, the Bacon Brothers are entertaining. They're pretty good. They're fun to watch. Check them out sometime. Uh, But the highlight of this concert for me was when Kevin Bacon, in between songs, said something like, he said, some of you might remember a movie I did that came out in 1990 called Tremors. (laughs) And a surprisingly large number of people started cheering and clapping. It was awesome. Then Kevin Bacon went on to tell us that the original title of the movie wasn't Tremors. It was Beneath Perfection. Because perfection was the name of the town that they lived in in the movie, and the tremors were beneath the ground, so they originally called the movie Beneath Perfection. So during filming, 
Kevin Bacon would be in his trailer uh, writing a song called Beneath Perfection. And he told us that his vision, as he was in, like, in his young 20s, he had this vision that the song would be the title track of the movie. It would be a huge hit. The movie would be a blockbuster. And he would immediately become this famous movie star. Uh, then Kevin Bacon paused and he looked at the audience and he said, and none of that happened. And everyone starts cracking up again. Now, why did everyone start cracking up when Kevin Bacon said, and none of that happened? Here's why. Uh, well, first of all, because it's a funny story. But deeper than that, we all laughed because we all know what it's like for things to not go how we plan for them to go. We all know what it's like to have to, in a way, leave something and have no clue where we're going. I mean, that, in one way or another, has been true for everybody. So if you are in a place where God is asking you to leave something, or you're in a place uh, where you've already left something, but you have no idea what's next, or you're in a place where you know what's next, but you have no no idea how you'll get there, Or you're in a place where you've mapped out exactly how everything will go and is supposed to go. And now you're getting to a point where you're saying to yourself, "Um, none of that happened. (laughs) May you respond to what God is calling you to. May you leave what you need to leave. May you go where you need to go. May you believe God can be trusted. And may God bless you along the way in ways you have never expected. This has been What's True for Everybody. Thank you for listening. Much love.